Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. And this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, we'll step into uh, this morning's message together. Heavenly Father, thank you for our community. Thank you for the way that you have built into our community over years, the sense of connectedness, the sense of love for each other. Uh, Lord, that you are present in our stories. Thank you for our community, and I pray today that, uh, that we would have this deeper sense of gratitude for the life you've given us, and also a sense of what we can do with our time. So bless us this morning as we dig in to your word together today. Amen. Amen. Hey, we are embarking on a short end of summer sermon series uh, called This Time. And it's kind of a play on saying this time we've been given and also this time. Uh, not another time, but this time. Uh, we have been given a short amount of time to live and to work and to enjoy this life we have been given. And the Bible talks uh, a pretty good deal about time and what, what we do with it. And there's a lot of wisdom for us to glean from, uh, from the Bible on that. And so we thought we would go through, and over the next uh, three more Sundays, this one included, we are going to talk about time. And hopefully it'll be a self-reflective uh, experience for us. Maybe you've been in this pandemic and uh, you have been in your home thinking about your life. There's something about this this season that's making a lot of us think. Uh, what are we about? What, what drains us? What fills us up? What is God doing in our story and how do we pay attention to it? So that's a little bit about what this series is about. Hey, I did something a little while ago that was kind of interesting. I took a piece of paper, uh, and on the piece of paper, I made a few columns. And on the one column, I put all I put all the years that I still have left to live. In my case, I probably got about another 40 years left. And I put them all down on one side. So 2021, 2022, 23, 24, and I put them all the way down until into the 2060s, if I'm so, so lucky. Beside it, I put my age on every one of those years, how old I would be. And I did the same for for Kelly, uh, my wife. I put I put all a I put in every year that I was a certain age. Then she she's she's one year year older, and so I put all her ages down. Then I did the same for each of my kids. I put Scotia, she's six, and Ivy, she's three, and I could go all the way down. And I started building these columns out, showing all the different years and what age my kids would be in certain times. Right now I have very young kids and so I just imagine the world through the lens of seeing them as being young. But when I did this graph, I started to see the big picture of my life. It was and it was cool and encouraging and scary all at the same time. As I was looking at this grand story of my life, I saw some trends. And one of the trends is there's a small section of my life when my home is shared. When my home has these kids running around making noise and drawing with crayons on the wall. There's some days in my life where I don't want that to happen. I'm like, oh man, when are my kids going to grow up and stop, you know, being kids? 
And then I look at this chart and I realize, ah, no, there's only a short time that I have them at this age. And there's a short time when they're preteens, then teenagers, and then they're and they're out of my home and gone into the world. And there's a time when they might be going off to school or getting their first job or stepping into different things. A time when they're when they're learning to drive. There's a time in there for camping. There's a time in there when we hope to travel the world if we're so lucky. There's a time in there where hopefully we become grandparents. There's a time for this and a time for that. And the more that I look at the scripture or at, the, at, at, at my life, the more uh, Ecclesiastes begins to make sense. This book we have been looking at. There's a time for this. There's a time for that. And in my life, there is a time for different things. And sometimes I can believe that all the time in the world is laid out before me. And that I can skip over today and forget to do something to, to, today that's important and meaningful. Because I'm going to have so much more time. But the truth is, when you look at the chart of your whole life, you don't have a lot of time. So every moment counts. We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning, a little bit later in the message. But to kind of set us up for how we can take a look at our whole lives, we need to talk a great deal about God. We have to be th theologians for a second and talk about the nature of God. Our lives make sense when they're set into the palms, into the palm of God's hand. And so who are we putting our life into? Who made us and what is true about God? Well, the Bible reveals a lot of things about God, and we're going to talk about some parts of, of God that are revealed to us that are really insightful. It's about the character and nature of time related to, to God. So we say two things about God. We say that God is both transcendent and God is imminent. What do these words mean and why are they important? Well, God is transcendent over the world. It means God is love that exists above, beyond, outside um, this world that God created. God is not a creation in the world. God is above and beyond and outside of the world. God, this also includes time. God created all things, including time. And so God isn't just infinite, as though he's in creation living a very long life that we could say is infinite. No, God is eternal, which means he's outside of time. Now, it's hard for us to get our heads around. And uh, the Bible wrestles with that a little bit to try to co convey to us this kind of eternal, transcendent God. This is how we understand God to be. That God is outside of the sphere of time. There's something interesting too that's paradoxical. And it's that God is very imminent. Imminent means close to, present to, in. God, the Bible says, moves into the neighborhood. And in Jesus we see that how close Jesus comes. He comes into relationships, sitting around a table, caring for the least of these. And then God is also at work imminently in nature. Whether we are there to see it or not, God is in every forest, in every glade, in every field, the deepest part of the ocean to the highest mountains. God is there. God is at work imminently in creation. He's imminently at work in your relationships between those that, between you and everybody else, there is God. This is happening all around us. Isn't this interesting? God is both transcendent and imminent. Theologian Stan Grenz, he talks about how the Greeks had one view of God. They viewed God as just transcendent only. That gods, that these pantheon of gods were above the world. That they existed so far out of time that they were disinterested in what was going on. 
So people made temples that were meant to be out of pillars of marble to stand the test of time, carving statues to stand the test of time, because these gods, they were, they were beyond time. They were timeless. But humans, ah, oh, the gods could have cared less about humans. Humans were to serve those gods, because humans, they were born, they aged, and they died. They didn't have these qualities of God. So this was this big separation between the gods and humans. The mortals below serving the immortals above. But this is not the story that Jesus presents in the Bible. When Jesus comes on the scene, in Jesus we meet God who is eternal, above, unaffected, but also paradoxically he's imminent, he's involved, he's interested, he's affected by time. God is involved in the story of God's people and he's concerned with what happens to them in every time and place. God steps in to the lives of those he loves. Where we see in the world, uh, we, you and I, we see the world through this past, present, and future, right? Um, right now, this is just the, the, the present moment as, as I'm here recording this message with you. This is the sliver of it, of the world that I see. But God sees all of history all at once. It's maybe hard, our, our brains maybe can't, can't fathom this, but that this eternal God, he sees past, present, and future as though he's in a blimp overseeing things. He can see the big picture. Little Preston, when he was young and five years old, going through something difficult or learning something new or riding his bike is just as meaningful to God as who Preston's going to be when he's 80. God sees the big picture and invites me to live as though God does see that big picture. I, I can trust that. God revealed himself to Moses as Yahweh. It's this word for God that we would say, uh, it has something to do with the self-existent nature of God. Meaning that God does not need, he's, he's self, he exists on his own terms. God does not need air, he does not need food, he does not need to sleep. And in the book of Acts, Paul says that God does not need a temple, and God does not need people to serve his needs. But this is what he does in the book of, of Acts. He says, For God has no needs. He himself, though, gives life and breath to everything. And he satisfies every need. So, God does not have needs. He's self-existent. But he gives us what we need so that we can exist. I'm going to say that again. God, who does not have needs, who is self-existent, gives us what we need so that we exist. And it is God's gift to us. So this transcendent, amazing, awesome God who we can barely get our head around, made a way, stepped into our story in our time to give us what we need. It is out of his eternal love that he comes into our story and steps in so wonderfully. So God is capable of being everywhere at all times. He is capable of stepping in and affecting our lives. And more than this, Jesus says that God is attentive to the smallest thing happening in our time. He cares about every sliver of our time. Every minute that we have is in his care. So when we have this view of God as being eternal and imminent, transcendent, all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere at present in love with me and my life, we can step into this world with our time, with who we are, with all of our gifts. We can do it alongside God, joining 
in the Godscape, in, in the timescape that, that, that God has. Luke 12, 22, I'm going to open it up here. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke. Let's take a look at Luke 12, 22. Take a look at how this God of the universe uh, through Jesus or in Jesus speaks. This is what he says. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus says, That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and look how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. So why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat or drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. Don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. What a beautiful picture. It gives God great happiness to tend to us, to give us his kingdom, to give us the presence of God, to give us heaven here with us now. This gives God great happiness. God's excited to step into our lives and to be a part of, of our story. I like that how he even references Sol- Solomon there. It's maybe a bit of a nod back to the book of Ecclesiastes where life is vapor. But here he's saying he cares. He cares about the passing of your life. He cares about the way that you live. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story. So why was, Ab- why was Jesus able to talk like this? Why was he able to talk so much about God's care for us? I think it's because Jesus knew the eternal father. He knew the heart of a father who cared for him. And so he could talk with this open-handedness about his life. He knows that God is able to work it out. He knows that God's purposes for us are good and that it brings him great joy to care for every one of us. So when we begin to imagine and capture this grand picture of God's love for us over time, above time, and in time, then we begin to give our time in trust to God. Psalm 102.25 paints a picture of how we translate this amazing love of God, or this amazing God who's transcendent in time, and what, how that relates to little old me in my life, that it begins and lives on and then ends. This is what it says, Long ago you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. Uh, You will change them like a garment and discard them. But you are always the same. You will live forever. The children of your people will live in security. Their children's children will thrive in your presence. The psalm paints the picture of God's eternity, but then how that eternity brings us security. That we can live in the security of serving a God who is eternal. That gives us peace and comfort now. So, I want to end with this. Three shifts 
that I think we can make in our lives around the question of time. The first one is one that we talked about uh, last Sunday, that our lives are havel, that they are like smoke or vapor. They, you can't hold on to it. You can't control it the way you think. Uh, and that it comes and it goes. It's a really interesting picture for our lives. Ecclesiastes paints out this, this picture. If we live as though we're in charge of our life, uh, of a life that does not end, if we think that we're going to live uh, under our own control for a long time, then, then, then we deceive ourselves. Sometimes I look, and I like looking at these videos of uh, beautiful places and people who have made just mansions and, and so on, and uh, or fast sports cars, and people show, show, show them off in these videos. And I often watch and I go, they're, they're really clean right now, but everything succumbs to rust. Everything eventually needs to be renovated. Everything is not timeless. Um, it is smoke, it is vapor. So rather than controlling it or hoarding it for ourselves, we embrace the fact that this life will one day be over. And so we have to learn to enjoy the present moment. We, we change our... When we view our present moment as being more valuable than we thought it was, then we change what we invest in. We change how we invest in our evenings or in the people around us, or our weekends. We give more attention to our spouse, to our neighbors, and to our kids. We, we treat every day as an interaction that really matters, because it does. We don't have many days, and the days we have been given are a gift. So we learn to pour out our love, because God gives us his love. He provides everything we need, and so we can step in, even with limited time, to, to love deeply. So telling us that life is a vapor, Havel, uh, is not a bad thing. It's actually inspiration to remind us to get on with this life and to live it well and not have it pass by and wake up one day realizing we spent it all doing something silly. We spent it all wasted on things that really don't, don't matter. In fact, we're to use every moment to fully love and engage this world around us, to take it all in and to be grateful for it. The second shift I think we need to make is we need to align our time with God's mission. What are the things that God's really on about? We should probably get on with those things too. They'll be interesting to God. If it's interesting to God, then it should be interesting to us. And Jesus did this. We have a model for this. You see, Jesus had pressures from all sides. He was probably invited to be a guest speaker all, all over the place. He was constantly pulled and tugged, but he knew what his mission was and what he was going to spend his time doing. So he could be just as comfortable speaking to thousands of people and as he was with stopping on the side of the road to somebody who was crying, or stopped to visit with a leper, or a tax collector, Jesus knew what his time was about, and he knew how to spend it wisely, because he had on the forefront of his mind the mission and purpose of God. And so he could go into any situation and know what he was supposed to do with his time. Would you say that your life has a mission? That you know what you're going to do with your time. Because you know how important your time is and that you know that this is a gift from God to be put somewhere. Do you know where you're supposed to spend your time? When we know what God's calling us to, we can spend our time on others freely. Because we know our time isn't lost. And number three, the third shift we can make around time. Is that we become disciples and pilgrims. These are two really important and very old words for how we talk about following Jesus into the world. The first one, being a disciple. A disciple is somebody who becomes an apprentice 
to a master. In Jesus, we are in a growing learning relationship with our master Jesus, says Eugene Peterson. He says, he says that we are learners who just don't gather information, but we are learning a skill, a way of doing this life. And so a disciple of Jesus spends time like Jesus spends time. We learn the art of living in time under the care of an eternal God, walking with Jesus. The only way we can learn to live this life well, I believe, is to follow the way of Jesus, to become a disciple of Jesus, to let the skills that Jesus shows us about walking with the Father become the skills that are part of our life, that we would spend our lives and our time really well. So that's the first word, being a disciple, following the way of the Master, being an apprentice for good time spending. I think Jesus shows us well what that's like. So the second word is pilgrim. A pilgrim is somebody who's going somewhere. They're on a journey. They're walking. They are getting somewhere. They aren't just sitting down, but they are moving. This is a word that is used to describe what the Christian life is about. A pilgrim is going somewhere, but it's also, he's going somewhere, he's going to God. He's going to a person. Jesus is the way to God, and, and he's also the companion on the journey. So, we walk and we sometimes run towards God. And through all the twists and turns of life, we discover that we are walking in time step with God. We're walking in the pace that Jesus sets through all the complexities of life. Never too fast, never too slow, never left behind because Jesus is walking along our side. Pilgrims aren't frozen in place, but they move forward. There's some scripture that uh, Eugene Peterson translated in the message, uh, and it is this. It says, do you see what this means? Well, this is from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on? It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That's ex that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. I love the way that Hebrews lays this out, this image of our faith as this as this race, as this journey, that Jesus has already run it, that he shows us how to go about doing it. He shows us how to use our time and to push forward. So friends, let me end with this. We have limited time. You and I both do. I have maybe 40 years left. I don't know. But we have a God who sees the big picture. We have a God who sees our life in its totality. All that came before us, all that is in our life, and everything that comes after. God is big enough to see the thousand-foot view over our entire life. He exists out of time, and so when we put our, hand, our life in his hands, we also believe in his promise that our lives will join with God's life eternally. In heaven with him forever. This is his promise, that he's prepared a place for us. But the other promise... This is the good news is that God also exists in time with us. Every moment, every small thing we deal with is so important to God. And it's good. It's lovely. 
God knows the timing of all things, the seasons, and he knows what's over the next horizon. So we can align our life with him. We can align with God's mission. We can align with following the way of Jesus in the way of Jesus. And we can live even this moment to love like Jesus loves. God is giving us a gift of time. So let's use this gift in the way that God laid it out. Using our gift of time to love God and love our neighbors. It's good. So go. Go in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. As you spend the next minute, the next hour, the next day, week, month, year, following in the way of Jesus and learning to be led by God's time. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us today, everybody. Bless you. Have a great week.